Welcome to the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast, the place to be to get the tools, tips, techniques, and building blocks to level up your tarot reading practice, heart-centered business, and spiritual journey. I'm Ethany Dawn. I am a full-time card slinger, business coach, author, and the headmistress of the tarotreadersacademy.com. And to top it all off, I'm also your host for this TV series and podcast. I'm going to have to edit that out. (laughs) No, I'm just saying that. All right, let me try that again because it's just fudge. All right. Hi everyone, it's Ethany and thank you so much for joining me for another Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast uh, session. I have an amazing guest for you today. I have someone who is a living, breathing tarot pro. Uh, This is someone who has got books um, out. Oh God, let me stop that again. Oh, I've been recording all day. I'm so sorry. No worries. No worries. Alrighty, the first person that I fudged that up with. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> and I'm going to focus. Welcome to another episode of the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast. And today we are going to talk tarot business and specifically how to get started with a tarot business. And I have got the perfect guest to talk about such a subject. Her name is Liz Worth. Liz, welcome to our show and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So Liz, if you do not know her work, you need to press pause and go jump on her website, which is lizworth.com. And of course, I'm going to have all those juicy juicy links for you over at the blog post. Liz has written the most incredible book called Going Beyond the Little White Book. So as you know, many decks get the little white book that we get inside. This is a hunker, hunker, chunker, burn and tarot love right here. It is an amazing book. And Liz, this must have been such a labor of love because there is so much information for every single card. How long did it take you just as a personal interest um, to write this? So this is going to sound really funny, but I don't actually remember even really writing it. It just happened, (laughs) which uh, for people who create things, uh, whether they're writers or other, you know, other work artists working in different mediums, sometimes things just happen and you feel it when it's happening and then as soon as it's out of your body you have no idea where it came from and that's kind of how that book felt when i was working on it so it came from a definitely a place of joy right i really wanted to put everything that i uh, i often shared about cards just sometimes in conversations with people who were in workshops with me um i wanted to you know have a place where i was capturing all the insights and all the different ways that I had noticed cards can show up in people's lives. And so that was really the purpose of that book was that I felt like I wanted to put all of this information that was in my head down on paper. And that's how that book came about. And there's so much information. You can get this wherever you can get good books and you can obviously get it from Liz's website as well. I highly recommend it as the information is so transferable. I digress a little bit. I just really love your book and I wanted to give it a good plug because it is worth having on your bookcase. Now, um, Liz, you are a tarot reader. You're obviously a writer and a very talented Mm -hmm. one and an astrologer and you do work both online and offline. So tell us a little bit about how you got initiated or how you got into becoming a tarot pro? Mm -hmm. So my background is in writing. I went to school for journalism and I had worked in media for several years and eventually transitioned into marketing and communications in the nonprofit industry. And I had started also writing other books in that time. And Along the way in doing all of those things, I started to feel like something was missing from my life. And I always describe it as 
having a spiritual void. And um, so I was really starting to search for something more. And I had always been interested in things like tarot and astrology and esoteric practices, especially when I was younger. But as I had gotten older and I got really caught up in chasing goals and chasing a career, I really let a lot of those spiritual interests fall off to the wayside. And so during this time when I was kind of searching for something again, I went to see an astrologer and he started talking to me about tarot and he asked me if I read tarot cards and I said, well, I I used to be interested in that stuff when I was a teenager, right? But I hadn't really thought about tarot in a long time. And so that conversation really inspired me and I went out, I got a tarot deck and I started practicing with the cards and there was something about getting back into tarot that felt really important for me at the time. And I found myself very compelled and very interested in tarot and that started me off on a you know years long journey into taking different classes doing different studies reading different books just exploring tarot as much as i could i started practicing on friends because i wanted to get better at my skills and i also had all this information in my head and all these lessons i'd been taking but i wanted to start to put them into practice And in the process of reading for friends, people started to ask me to do things like read at their parties. And so again, I was like, well, this is great practice, right? I'm going to say yes to these things. And I wasn't charging for these readings. Uh, To me, it was just a learning opportunity. And I did that for a number of years. And then I had a, a day job and I'd been at the same place for over four years and um, my fifth year anniversary was kind of creeping up in the background and I started to feel that I needed to make a bigger change in my life and I was on my way home actually from reading tarot at a party one night and I had such a great time reading tarot I had met so many amazing people and I was walking down the street on my way home and I thought this is the thing I'm supposed to do next. Like it just all of a sudden felt so clear. But by then it had been about eight years of just learning tarot and practicing tarot. It was not an overnight decision at all uh, because in the back of my mind, you know, I always still saw myself as a writer and only a writer. And so I, I had never really imagined myself branching off of that path that I'd been on originally. Um, But as soon as I started to think about starting a tarot business, things started to shift for me. And I was really overwhelmed with the idea of starting a business while having a full-time job. So I set an intention during a new moon and within that, that one lunar cycle, so about a month within that time, I set this intention to start a tarot business, even though I didn't really know how, but I had just kind of done it as a promise to myself to figure it out. Right. And in the process of doing that, I got a severance package just days before the following new moon. So it took about a month. So I always tell people, you know, if you're setting intentions like that, you you have to be ready uh, to say yes when things enter your life. But, you know, once I, I had that opportunity, I had all of a sudden my time was freed up. I had a little bit of wiggle room and a little bit of a cushion because I got a severance package from my job, which is not a situation everybody has. I was very, very fortunate in that. Um, But I was also really, really ready. You know, I was ready as a tarot reader to go full time with something. I realized that I'd had all of this experience that I had amassed over the last several years. So I wasn't just kind of starting out one day with a tarot deck and thinking I want to do this and forcing it to happen either. Mm -hmm. It really was an organic process. I'd given myself a lot of time for trial and error and to figure out my own style. So that was really how it came about. You know, it it sounds like a, you know, a long and winding road and it was, but sometimes that's how business happens. I, I feel like with a lot of people that I know either through working with them or meeting them in our industry, that that tends to happen quite a bit with the long and winding road. Mm. I mean, tarot was a side hustle for me for a long time while I worked full time in the oil and gas industry um, and in the mining industry. Um, and then funnily enough, you said about the severance package when I, before I was moving, before I moved back to Canada, 
I was saving and getting ready to move and sort of a similar thing happened to me with a bunch of projects with a resourcing company going, getting shelved because mm. prices changed on the stock market and they shelved a bunch of stuff. So, and I was like, dang, like if you are going to set the intention, you really do have to be ready to go. And thankfully I was already preparing, but it can happen just like that. So I have mm-hmm. a similar story. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it can sound again, you know, sometimes magical in that way, but I also tell people, you know, don't feel like you have to wait for that sign either. Right. If, you know, if you've been reading tarot for a number of years already and you really feel ready to do it, probably that feeling of being ready is enough. Right. Mm -hmm. I was hesitating like crazy. Right. Like this was like basically the universe pushing me into it, even though I could have done that myself. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a balancing act, right, of like when do you wait for the sign or have you been waiting for the sign and the sign is already gone? <laughs> it's like long gone and the universe is like, well, I did send it to you, you just kind of didn't notice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I've got some questions that I would love, love to um, ask you. So you have done working at parties, working uh, for someone else through shops. Um, you've done, you do work online with people. What are some of the pros and cons to those? And where do you feel your style fits the mm. best? Or is it really like you can do everything? Mm. Yeah, I've done it all. I think, uh, I started, I started, yeah, really pushing myself in reading for people at parties and, I think the pros to that, especially if you're looking to practice, and again, I always stress, you know, if you're practicing, you're learning, you're feeling tarot out, you probably shouldn't be charging for it. I know not everyone will agree with me on that, but that's my take. You know, it's like that the people that you're reading for are also doing you a service in that way. And I just don't think that you should be charging if, say, you're still looking at meanings in a book or... Um, you know, or you haven't really done that many readings yet and you don't have a lot of experience because it is another level and there's a different expectation that people have there. Uh, but I did a lot of parties early on and I still do a lot of parties today. I don't, I don't take as many as I used to when I was, um, even when I was starting my business, I would say yes to a lot of them. The pros can be, again, if you're learning, uh, you're going to be thrown into a whole different mix of people. And it's a really great challenge also to just read on the fly. You don't know what someone's question is going to be. Don't know what they're looking for. You have no idea who is necessarily in the room. So it can be great also to connect with people you haven't met yet or people you don't know that well. And um, and read for strangers because I think that's one of the best learning experiences. The cons with parties is that, you know, depending on the size of the party, there's, there can be a lot of management happening. So, uh, and I mean people management in a lot of ways, right? So with that, you really have to be thinking of things like how many people are at the event? How many readings is it realistic to do in the amount of time that you're there? How many readings are you able to do in a certain amount of time? What's your schedule look like based on that? Uh, You have to work out how long each reading will be. You also have to figure out what your boundaries are with certain things. I've been at parties where sometimes people have had had a lot of drinks and um, it's happened that, you know, I, I had a guy once who fully, fully just passed out face down on the table in front of me within a few seconds of sitting down. So, um, in, you know, in situations like that, sometimes you also have to think about, you know, where does it make sense to, you know, perhaps have some rules around, again, a cutoff time, you know, sometimes at parties, you know, there comes to a certain point in the night where maybe it doesn't make as much sense for people to be having tarot readings anymore, because they're really at that time where they just want to be having fun and socializing. So um, thinking about your own safety as well. Again, thinking about boundaries, will you answer any question people bring to you? all kinds of things, right? But it's also, again, part of a a really rich learning experience that you can have. It's so true. And it's like this steady decline. Like my thing is I'm usually there only for a couple of hours, two and a half, three at the max, because Mm. you've got like the first people are like, you know, maybe they've had one after, after work drink and they're pretty good. And then the last person you get is like really drunk and 
it just becomes not only messy it, or, you know, it can be, especially if they're passing out in front of you, but mm-hmm, it can mm-hmm. a little unsafe or a little like unsavory for you sitting there as a professional going, yeah, I think my time is kind of done here. It's exactly. And with tarot, you know, it is a conversation and it can be a deep conversation. And sometimes it's just not always conducive to doing your best work in a party atmosphere. So I also think about things like, am I going to have to yell the entire time over a speaker or a band? I've done, had to do both of those. Uh, are you in a quiet spot or are people going to be coming up and interrupting the reading every five minutes because they want to see what's happening in their friends reading? Um, I've also had that, you know, so again, just thinking about all the, the ways that you like to work, you know, I am the kind of person I do prefer a quiet, uninterrupted time. Um, and so again, those are all things that come down to people management sometimes and knowing what your requirements are to do a really good job at that. And also recognizing that you don't have to be willing or able to work in any environment. You know, you don't have to feel like you're just being thrown into something. And, um, you know, if you're not able to talk over loud music for three hours, you can say no to that, right? And again, if you're just starting a business or you want experience, it may be harder to say no to those things, but you also have to uh, you also have to be fair to yourself and think about what's going to showcase your work in the best way too. You know, if you're giving really mediocre readings all night because the environment's not right, then that's not going to get you very far anyway, right? Totally. And there is nothing wrong with having a few T's and C's for your to conduct your business. It's exactly the same if you have this is my rate for arriving. These, this is like if you want to book me for an extra hour. Um, I need to have water. I need my own table. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not unrealistic yeah. because every other professional yeah. catering companies have those things. You sign a phone contract. Every business transaction has a set of terms and conditions. You are no different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so what about reading in other people's spaces, like a, a shop? Because I've done, I've done that many times myself. Um, how mm-hmm. do you feel about doing that? Because you're, you're pretty much playing by somebody else's rules um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read in a number of shops and it can be amazing and wonderful uh, because it does help you to connect to a different community, right? You're really reading for that shop's customers that also brings another level of responsibility too. you know, it's like, yes, these people are coming to you for a reading. You would want to treat them as your own clients with that same level of respect, but they're also the shop's customers. And so you, I I always think that, you know, you have to be extra careful within that capacity, right? You may have certain rules or boundaries or ways in which uh, you will speak to people or assert yourself within a certain context, but uh, the store might have a different set of expectations around how they deal with, say, a complaint from a customer. So if you, you know, someone doesn't like your reading or something goes wrong within the session, it's really helpful for you to know what the shop's policies are on that or what they prefer for you to do. You know, do they prefer for you to handle that directly with the customer or do they want you to send the customer over to them to speak to? You know, so there can be some other nuances that you might want to work out first. I also um, say, you know, there can be a lot of pros and cons around reading in stores if it's a walk-in business situation. So if you're reading in a shop on a Saturday afternoon and you're not necessarily taking a lot of pre-bookings or appointments at that shop. You have to think about whether it's worthwhile for you to hang out in that store for a whole afternoon and not get paid, right? Because sometimes stores don't pay you unless you've done a reading. So if you can negotiate some kind of base rate for yourself, I think that would be helpful. You know, in hindsight for me starting out my business, that's definitely something I would have negotiated for myself. I didn't think about it at the time because I was really excited to have those opportunities to read in stores. But, um, but once you start to factor in, you know, the idea that you're still working, right? Like whether, you know, the store sells anything or not, they still pay their staff for that afternoon on, on their shift, right? So if you're gonna be working as their staff, it, it might be helpful as well to ask if you know you can have some of your time covered um, if 
there are no readings coming in. And if that's not the case, and you're working entirely off commission, you really have to think about how are you promoting mm. your presence and your service there? Because reading in a store is not necessarily a magic bullet to having a really busy client base. You know, it's going to be like any other business. Some days the store will be really busy. Some days you'll be totally booked up back to back. And other days you might not have a single person who wants a reading. So you really have to figure out again, what is your time worth and how are you going to promote yourself and build your presence up in that space so that you can trust that when you're there, your time is going to be used as wisely as possible. It's a really good point. And I think something that goes across both of those those situations or working for somebody else uh, doing readings is especially at the beginning when we get so excited about opportunities coming our way and sometimes I'm a little bit guilty of this too even now when something exciting hits my inbox give yourself a hot second before you say yes to ask questions and gather information that's just smart business and that's also quite reasonable um, because you are going to be living with the consequences of, of, of your agreement um, after the fact. So some, there's a lot of really, really good points you bring up there. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with, again, with doing walk-in business in a store is that, you know, you might think, well, I'll show up and if it's not that busy, I'll just go home. But the thing is, it's really hard to build yourself up and say, I'm doing readings here this weekend, you should come by if people come by an hour after you've left and you're gone for the day because no one was there, right? So again, you're thinking, what is the trade-off of my time? How committed am I to doing this? And also, what does this mean for my, my life for the next little while, right? If you're committing yourself to being a resident reader somewhere and you're doing that on some kind of walk-in basis, then that means that, you know, those whatever days of the week you're there, you're committed to having that time blocked out in your calendar. You can't take every weekend off, right? So there's a whole other ball of wax that comes along with that. And, uh, and again, if you're just working on an appointment basis, that might be different, right? When you're coming in and out. But even then, you have to think, is it worthwhile for you if there's just one appointment? You know, are you going to travel all the way to that store to do one reading and then have nothing else for the rest of the day? So that's another part of the pros and cons there. Yeah. I found it really difficult um, when I did readings here in the shop, even though the shop was beautiful, it's a very successful shop. But I found that I didn't, because I wasn't the owner of the business, I wasn't able to decline people that I would not usually work with. And that was for me at the end of the day, the breaking point was it's, I was, you know, I was coming away from readings going, this person doesn't need a tarot reader. They need a psychologist. They need help like that. I am not qualified to give them. They need to go see a doctor or, you know, see some, a lawyer. Um, and I couldn't say no. Whereas when I work from home and I get information from my clients if there's not a fit because I'm not the right person or it's ethically, I won't read that way or I can't answer their question. I can just hit refund and say, you know, maybe find somebody else or can I, you know, send you to a healer or someone else to, to help you. I found mm-hmm. that to be the biggest thing for me, but I'm also lucky that I had an established business where I was like, mm, not a big deal if I say no to this opportunity. So it is that fine line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it also comes with experience, I think, too, in realizing which clients are a better fit for you or not. And again, yeah, in a store, you don't necessarily know who has come in to purchase a reading with you. And you will get people who might not necessarily understand what tarot is either, or who might think that they're coming in to speak to someone who is going to channel their grandmother for them or something or or give them lottery numbers, right? Some of the things that uh, for people who read tarot professionally, sometimes we're, you know, we do a lot of education around what is a good tarot question and where does tarot have its limitations. And uh, when, again, you're, you know, you're kind of dealing with anyone who's just walking off the street, you don't always know what their expectations are. Whereas if they've come through your website, 
and seeing your information and seeing how you describe yourself, then it can be a different story. But it also really depends on the shop that you're working with too, right? I've, I've had some really great experiences with stores here that were very happy to communicate, you know, my ideas on, on tarot and to help people understand how I work and what the purpose of, of tarot is for me. And, uh, and so I found that by having that kind of flexibility and support, that was helpful too. But again, you know, you may not always find that because yeah, some store owners will just really want that sale too. Right. And yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah. So depending on it. So now we've kind of had a look at some of the ways in which you can do the tarot works. Um, what are the things that you think are really important for people to have a real good grasp on or how do you think people are going to know besides that in a calling that they're ready? What are some of the non-negotiable skills that you think you need and that you know because you've been doing this, uh, you know, been doing this for a hot second um, to make it as a pro? Uh, you did mention, you know, knowing the card meanings and I'm, I'm, yeah. I agree with you. Um, referencing books when you're pay, paying for a reading is you know not something that I would do uh, but what yeah. else is there I really think that it's important to have experience doing readings and really building up those hands-on skills because there are things that happen in readings that you won't find in any book or in any class and you can have the best tarot teachers but they can't be with you every step of the way and you know I think one thing that people need to talk more about with tarot reading is that um, it requires a lot of freedom of thought and if you're not able to think for yourself in terms of making an interpretation or making a judgment call on something then you're probably not ready yet to read tarot for other people because there are many 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 expectations hopes pains that you're going to be holding for people and every single reading that you do is going to be a case-by-case -case basis it's always going to be unique and there are always going to be questions that you're not expecting and you could have the exact same cards for two different people and they will have completely different meanings and you will have to have a completely different focus and completely different delivery on that and the only way that you can really understand how to get into the nuances of tarot and how to allow your own freedom of thought to lead the way is really through just spending a lot of time practicing. I see so many people who really feel like they want to be tarot readers. And it doesn't mean that they're not good at reading tarot, but they really rush the process sometimes. And, um, you know, I've seen people take a class for six months or eight months. And as soon as that class is over, they want to start a tarot business or they want to start charging for readings, but they, they don't have the experience outside of that. You know, they may have read for other people in their class or their teacher might say that they're doing a really great job in their homework, but that's not the same thing. I think that you need a little bit more than that. So how would you, for someone who's, who's listening or watching, if they are in that boat and they are really passionate and they do want to get started, where do you think they can find that place to really get the rubber to hit the road and get that experience. Um, and do you think that there are certain things that we should be, people should be focusing on when really beginning? Um, like where is the important bit to, to mm -hmm. sign on? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You know, I, I think it could be different for everybody, but sometimes, sometimes I, I, another thing that I've noticed with newer tarot readers is that they get really, really focused on the idea that tarot is only about what you feel, right? It's only about your intuition and they haven't given themselves time yet to really understand that seeing patterns in, in cards and also learning the mechanics of a reading and the importance of giving yourself time to see if your readings actually hold true. You know, if all the things that you say are going to unfold for someone actually 
do take place. You have to give yourself time on that. You know, a reading could take a year to unfold. It could take eight years to unfold, right? So um, I, I think patience is definitely part of that. And where you can get some of that experience Again, for me, you know, a lot of my best experience came from just reaching out to people that I could actually meet face to face. I know that there are a lot of really great online communities. There are also some not so great online communities out there. And you really have to use good discernment if you are going uh, to any chat rooms or Facebook groups or online forums to get experience or to share any practice readings because you don't always know who you're connecting with there. And again, some people are not as grounded or as centered in their own practices with tarot. And um, sometimes when we start to believe that, you know, whatever comes into our head first is meaningful or is a message, we're not really reading tarot. And so I think it's important to be able to connect with other people who can tell you that you're wrong. Right. And to be okay with that. And that's why it can be really great to read for friends or, you know, read for your second cousin or, you know, just read for anyone, right? Someone who will meet you for coffee for half an hour and let you read their cards and where you can ask them, you know, does this make sense for you? Um, so, you know, if I say something this way, does it sound right? And just actually use that as a sounding board rather than feeling like you have to be on right away, rather than feeling like you have to have all the answers because no one has all the answers ever. And that's, a, that's another big part of the learning curve in tarot, right? You have to have humility that, um, that this isn't a place to come to. Tarot is not going to, you know, be the be all end all for every single question that everyone has. Uh, but it can be a place where I think we can learn how to connect with each other and how to have conversations, but you really need to be able to find people who will offer you some kind of security in having those conversations too, and who will let you make mistakes. So finding people that you can trust, who know that you're learning and who want to support you on that, I think is the best way. And there is nothing wrong with owning your tarot training wheels. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, letting people know that you're learning and, and honing in on a craft. And something mm -hmm. that I wanted to offer up as a, a way to find people, if you're wanting to get the experience face-to-face, -face, and I agree, it is so invaluable. My, my experience with fairs, parties, markets, um, and working in shops have been some of the best experience I've ever had. Um, is if you're a part of a social group or a meetup group, or it's, there are some really great tarot meetup groups um, in different cities as well, you know, ask if, you know, obviously don't just like rock up and crash the party and be like, can I read everyone's cards? I mean, that might work, mm -hmm. but yeah. you know, look at different uh, situations where you, maybe you half know some people or that you feel comfortable and ask if you're into swing dancing, take your cards one night if there's a social and say, I'd love to put, you know, read people's cards while they're waiting or whatever it may be. There is always an opportunity. Um, it can be a little bit scary to say I'm here and, or putting a little, um, a little placard up. If you're having coffee, like obviously talk to the coffee shop, but if you're having coffee, say, would I be able to put a little thing up saying, you know, as long as you've got a coffee, come and get a, a, a one card reading or whatever it may be. Um, because there are ways that you can definitely get experience. Those are some, a couple of things that may help for people who don't have anyone in their area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a meetup group is a great idea. And the other thing too, that people could think about is if there is no meetup group, you know, see if you could start your own, right? Because there might be other people who are looking for that practice and that experience too. And, uh, and yeah, I think that those spaces, again, they're safe spaces. They're, they're often very supportive. It's a great way to get that experience and so now we've, we're moving to another sort of group of people who have had some experience and have, have done the the work and re, who really feel like they're ready to go pro but now they've got no idea on how much they're worth or how to mm. price so mm. how do we keep the integrity of and money and spirituality honey i could talk all day about some of the baggage that we've got as a community around getting paid but um what are your thoughts on pricing say if you're just starting out um mm. what's too cheap what's too much you know that kind of stuff 
Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's, well, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm groaning cause I, you know, I was in that position, right. When I started my business, I thought, well, I can't charge what other tarot readers are charging because they've had their businesses longer. So, you know, I thought I would have to put in a certain amount of time before I could get to that level of pricing. And one day I was talking to this very, very fancy woman who runs a very, very fancy coaching business. And, um, and I've known her for a number of years and she came to me for a tarot reading and she was like, do you know how many readings you're going to have to do every day if you keep charging these prices? Mm -hmm. And I hadn't actually thought about that, you know, but I think you know, that, that just changed everything for me because she was like, you have to charge more, right? Basically. And, and it made so much sense because I, I realized, you know, she's right. Um, if you're charging prices to the point where you're putting yourself in the, the position where you might have to rely on having six, seven, eight, nine clients a day, mm. that's a lot of volume, right? And realistically, it may not always be possible for you to get that many people, especially not when you are starting out, but also if you are getting that many clients a day, then there's obviously some kind of demand for your service, right? So uh, you probably don't have to be charging a cheaper rate. And sometimes people, I think, also feel that if they charge too much, they're gonna be pricing people out or that people won't show up. But in my experience, when I started charging what I needed to make, right? Um, I actually noticed that things got busier. And I know that sounds weird for some people, right? But, um, but I really think that people often live by the idea that you get what you pay for. And it can be very scary to charge the rate that uh, you want to be making because if you have insecurities around money, you're going to wonder, can I actually command this? Who am I to charge this much? But the reality is, is that um, I think, you know, once you start doing it, you'll get more comfortable with it and you don't have to be extravagant in your pricing. You know, um, I, I always try to keep things as accessible as I possibly can to people still, because I've seen some people charge $800 for a 20 minute reading, like for real. Wow. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you would like, you'd have to be able to tell me the best thing I've ever heard for that much money. <laughs> you would have to pinpoint the dang second. How it's going to happen. I want to know when I'm going to die of what, yeah. like, I want you to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to tell me every detail if you're charging that much money. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, right? So I always think about that too. Like I think about the, you know, the, the, the child who still lives inside of me, right? Who sees things that she wants that she feels are totally out of reach, right? And, and so, um, you know, I try to be realistic with my pricing, but the reality is on the other side of it is that if you run a business, you have hard costs too. And your hard costs begin, you know, before you're ever thinking of even paying yourself. I've had people contact me asking, you know, um, if the fees that PayPal charges, for example, for a business account are worth it because they're only charging $20 for their readings and PayPal is going to take X amount off of that. And, you know, so how much do they have left after and all these questions. And like, if you, if you're not even sure if you can afford the, very marginal PayPal fee from your reading, then you should be charging more, right? Um, not only that, but if you are running a website, you're paying for hosting, and you should be running website, FYI. If you have a mailing list, you're going to be paying for the service provider for your mailing list, which you should also have. If you want to do Facebook ads, that's a hard cost. If you are renting any office space, that's a hard cost. If you're working out of a store, the store is going to take a cut of your money. That's a hard cost. All of these things add up, right? So you need to make sure that all of those expenses month after month are going to be covered by what you're making on your tarot readings. And then you have to figure out what are you paying yourself, mm. right? So, you know, once you start to add up all of those things, you realize that it's pretty hard to read if you want to do this full time right? Uh, to be charging $20 a tarot reading if your readings are trickling in here and there, 
you know, maybe you get a few a month, it's not going to be possible. But I think too, you had also mentioned, um, you know, really valuing what we're worth and being part of this industry. And I think that um, it can be very confusing for customers to see some people charging $15 for a Celtic cross reading and seeing other people charge $150 for a Celtic cross reading and everyone's like, it's just a tarot reading, what's the difference? And so you also have to think about, you know, what are the optics of that altogether? And are you playing a long game in this business? Do you want to be doing this for the next 5, 10, 15 years of your life? Doesn't mean that you have to, right? But you should have some kind of vision, at least for where you want to go. It could always change. Uh, but are you still going to be charging $15 for those readings 10 years from now? And how, you know, how is that going to impact your contribution to the industry and the community as a whole? Mm. One of the things that you touched on really early on in that um, when we talked about pricing was something that I got introduced to very early on um, when I started to go pro and, and especially when I started to work online and do this full time was look at your offers and say, how many of these, as you said, a day am I going to need to, to do to keep the lights on and food in my fridge and a roof over my head? And if you do, you have to do the math. You absolutely mm. have to do the math because otherwise you're going to be chasing something that not only is going to feel really stressful, but if you know the math, if you know you need $1,500 a month to pay all your bills and, you know, like get by, then you can start looking at how you can actually reach that. How does that look mm -hmm. weekly? How does that look daily? Give yourself a high five every day you reach that goal. Like do manifestation mm -hmm. work around it. If you don't know you are going to be forever grasping at straws and that is no way to run a business at all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that that's a huge part of it, right? Is that people sometimes start businesses and this isn't just in tarot, you know, I've seen this in many other capacities um, and often also in the creative community where people don't treat their work like a business, right? They think I just want to read tarot. That's what I want to do. And they get focused on, the, the, the work itself, rather than looking at themselves as entrepreneurs. And for some people that might sound overwhelming, right? Because not everybody is comfortable with the idea of running a business. But if you don't know what your costs are, then you don't know what to price anything at. Because pricing in every business is based off of how much it costs to run things and also how much the labor costs, right? So if you're pricing everything based on what you think people will pay, you'll never make any money, right? Um, because people will pay for what they want. That's also part of my experience is that if they really want that reading, they want that service, they want to take your class, they want to buy your product, you know, they'll find a way to pay for that, right? Yeah. Again, as long as it's not exorbitant, right? Um, so I'm not saying we should all be charging $1,000 for everything we do, right? You still have to be realistic and look at what the market can bear. But, um, but you can't, you know, you can't let perceptions of what other people's ideas around money are and you can't let that dictate how much you are going to make in your business because it's your business. Absolutely. And then, so now we're talking about the good juicy stuff and I love talking about money um, just because it is, it's a fascinating concept as a fascinating, sorry, subject because of how complex it is in, yes. in our modern world. So when, do you think there is some sort of unrealistic expectations out there about how quickly you can do this full time. I know I feel there is, I think some of that is driven by, I'm sorry to say unpopular opinion, shitty coaches who think that they can peddle their $1,000 program or whatever it is to help you make money. Newsflash, that's how they're making their money is off of you. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot, and I see a lot of ads on, and I'm like, I don't need a coach, but I see a lot of ads for it. Um, and I also think that there can be a little bit of showboating or not showboating, but just like, I'm going to show you just the wizard face and not what's actually going on in the background. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on when, 
when is it realistic to think that you can take home any money and start to make it? Cause it all looks different to everybody in this business. It's yeah. a great question. I don't think that there's a specific timeline that anyone can expect anything, you know, with me, when I, when I announced that I was starting this business and I put that out to, you know, to my friends and my, you know, everyone on Facebook and all of that, right. That we all do these days. Um, you know, people by then already knew that I read tarot because I had been practicing on many of my friends all this time and reading at their parties and meeting their friends. And I was starting to have people also come to me through word of mouth because of that, who would ask me for readings, right? And I would say, well, I don't really do this. Um, so I had sort of the start of a very small client base by then, right? And by the time I was ready to start that business, then when people did come to me and ask me for a reading, I could say, oh yeah, you know what? I do have time. I don't have a day job anymore. I just have this, right? But it took a while for me to really feel like um, things were flowing and that things were established. And I would say, you know, pretty standard, I think that the average for most startups, I think it was about, you know, for me, the two year mark where yeah. I really felt like I had a business, right? Was, like absolutely. where I, yeah, like I remember like waking up one day and feeling like, wow, this is actually working, but you have to be very, very comfortable with the uncertainty of entrepreneurship, no matter what. And uh, and that's the same goes for, you know, if you're going to be an artist, you're going to be a writer, you're going to be any of those other things. You have to be okay with not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. I love not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. I hate, I hated working nine to five because I didn't want, like, I'm like, I have to do the same thing every day forever. No, I don't want that. But some people love that, you know, and if you love that, maybe doing a tarot business is not for you. Um, unless you can learn to love the unknown. But the other thing is that you really have to think about what your vision is. And the reality is that you may have certain ideas for things that you want to do within your business, or you might have a certain assumption about how things are going to go. And once you start living it, it becomes completely different. And you also realize that any plan, whether it's an online course you want to make, a workshop you want to run, a certain number of clients you want to be seeing every week as a goal, uh, blogs you want to be writing, all of those things, the fun creative stuff that you get to do in your business will always take you three times as longer to finish as you think. Hey, hallelujah. That needs to be said. <laughs> like blown up, sky written. Like seriously, it does. It, yeah. it absolutely does. Uh, it takes yeah. a lot longer. And the admin so behind long. everything that you do mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. huge. <laughs> Yeah, there's the admin and there's also building a mailing list, which I talked about earlier, which I think is a really important thing for anyone to do, whether they're doing a tarot business or Reiki or anything else, you should always have a mailing list. But if, unless you're, unless you're doing paid advertising or a lot of really clever marketing to build that mailing list, if you're just letting that build organically, it takes years sometimes just to get a thousand subscribers, mm -hmm. right? So you might have all these goals where you're like, okay, I'm going to get every single person possible on my mailing list and I'm going to be booked up with clients five days a week and I'm going to write a book in my first year and I'm going to blog every two days <laughs> and all of those things. It's like, you know what? Realistically, you know, you're one person and you have to do all the work, right? So, you know, with tarot, I think a lot of us are doing a solopreneur thing and you also have to account for the fact that sometimes you're going to be in the business and being in the business means running your workshops or meeting your clients or answering your emails. And then the rest of the big stuff, the visionary stuff is working on the business. And those again are all the things that take so much longer to do um, because it's very hard to take an idea uh, from the concept stage to the completed stage. And there's also sometimes things that you're going to have to learn, right? The technical side of things, the logistical side of things, um, and also you're going to have to decide how much time do you spend in front of clients and how much time do you spend working on other things. And that also comes back to your pricing, right? For me, it's not realistic for me to see clients every day mm. because I still do a lot of writing and I do a lot of teaching and I need full days where I can be in complete deep thought where I don't have to worry about what time it is. I don't have to meet anyone. 
anywhere. Um, I don't have to answer my email if I don't want to so that I can get into deep concentration and deep creative time so that I can move other projects forward as well. Right. If, if you don't want to do those things and you just want to see clients every day, that will be a completely different business model. But you really have to be clear on what it is that you want to create within this work and what you think you're trying to bring forward through tarot too, because most, I think most tarot readers have a lot more to say than what happens within their private sessions. It's so true. I'm just sitting here like nodding my head, like, yep. <laughs> yep. It's so true. Like I, and time management is so important. And even mm. time management, um, if you're really good at it and I'd say I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I think if you're successful in running your own business by yourself, you've got to be at least okay with it. Yeah, um, but um, I'm pretty good at it to a point, but then technical mishaps happen or I have a young son. So, you know, anything can happen with a child or something happens during the day. And then all of a sudden it's that ripple effect throughout the rest of your business mm-hmm. and learning how to make sure you're doing reshuffling all that. And then the time blocks, as you said, for moving big projects forward is so important if you want to do other things like creating products or courses or not just become, um, not to say that there's anything wrong with being a, just a full-time reader who yeah. does that beautiful exchange work. But if you mm-hmm. want to have anything else going on, it's going to break into your time for swinging cards. It absolutely is. And I think, you know, again, early on, sometimes people just get so excited about starting a business or they're so hungry to start that business that they think, well, I'll just write a blog at nine o'clock at night after my day is over, or, you know, I'll work a little bit on my online course every day in the morning for half an hour. And again, realistically, you know, you also have to account for your own downtime, right? Because if you're running a business, it's totally exhausting, especially in those first couple of years, like you are probably going to work every single day Mm -hmm. in that time. Uh, it may not be for a full day every day, right? But there will probably be little things that you're tweaking. I used to tweak my website insanely. Like just, I would get it to, like, to the point where I thought it was what I wanted. And then a couple weeks <laughs> later, I would change everything again, right? And like, these are the things that you do when you're starting out because you're trying to figure out what really works. And it can take a long time and it can, again, take a lot longer than you expect. And you, it's really important for you to still be able to go to sleep at a decent time, relax shower. your mind, <laughs> right? Shower, eat, like do all of those things to take care of yourself. And sometimes our self-care falls off so quickly when we're trying to compartmentalize our time so much or do everything at once. So give yourself that breathing space to really get your business established too. Don't feel like... You have to have a perfectly polished format or, you know, or appearance that you're putting out there right away, right? You don't have to have, you know, like three full online courses created when you launch your business. You don't have to have a book. You don't have to have products. You don't have to have all these things happening. You know, just have a couple of great offerings early on and give yourself time to build on it from there. So true. So true. So many <laughs> nuggets of goodness there. <laughs> so we're, we're, we are wrapping up on our time and I know that we, we could literally sit here until the dead of night talking about this and our experiences. Uh-huh. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave us with or any final thoughts on um, going pro and, and beginning out? Any advice mm. or anything to avoid for the pitfalls? Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I would add that we haven't really talked about is having really, really good policies for yourself. So being clear on, and this will come down to where you're working to, but being clear on uh, how people pay you. I always recommend getting paid in advance. I know not everyone is into that, but yes, I agree. Honestly, I just, I find it so much easier um, and it really cuts down on uh you know, I find it's like the people who will pay you in advance, you know, really want to be there. Right. So it's like, those are the, those are going to be your people. Uh, it also is important to know, you know, what happens if someone's late, does that cut into their session time or are you willing to go overtime? Uh, you have to figure those things out for yourself. What's your cancellation policy? How much notice do you need? For me, I don't, I'm not always good with last minute changes because again, sometimes I only have 
certain days where I'm able to see clients. So I don't always have a lot of wiggle room to reschedule things, right? So I need some notice for cancellations or reschedules on that. So again, it's like knowing how you're able to work, but also think about your long term. Don't create policies that are so flexible early on just because you want to get people in the door. Right. Think about how you want to be working in two or three years. Treat yourself as though you're already established. That's and the clearer you are, the less shitty clients you're going to have. And that is just I my experience of like any time I've broken my own boundaries with someone, I have regretted it so mm. hard because they've either run me around or they haven't paid because it's like oh, can I pay you half now and half later? Guess who's chasing them? You know, it's just like, because I, I feel sorry for people. I want, I've, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty big heart and I'm like, I want to accommodate. And, but every time it has bitten me in the ass. And so I've learned to absolutely honor my own um, boundaries when it comes to working with clients. And again, every company has them. You don't show up to your, you know, you don't show up for your flight. Whose fault is that? You know, like there is every business has it. You are mm-hmm. no different. Yeah, absolutely. At my dentist, you know, if you cancel with less than 48 hours notice, they charge you two days they want, right? They just charge your credit card. They keep it on file. So, um, Damn. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but they're very serious about what they do, right? So I think it's, it's the same with tarot. Uh, it can be really hard sometimes to reinforce those boundaries. It can be really hard when you have to say no to someone. You, know, you have to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't refund you because you missed your appointment. It can be really uncomfortable, right? But, you know, to what you're saying, I've had the same thing. Every time I make an exception for someone, I get burned because they don't appreciate it. Right? Yeah. And I don't know why it's like the universe is like sending me this lesson, right? Saying, you know, this is why you made that rule in the first place. And this is your reminder. And it sucks, you know, because you feel really bad. You don't want to be upset with anyone. You don't want to be treated that way. But uh, yeah, but I think, you know, policies are going to be so key, again, in protecting your own time so you can get all of the amazing work done that you want to do. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you so much. Is there anything else? One thing that I kind of wanted to to kind of move in there just real quick, and you may have some notes on that to say, um, is allow also for things to shift in your business. Mm. So if you started out doing one form of reading and it's no longer bringing you joy or you want to shift within that, that's cool too. Like we have all evolved in our offers and what we do and where we spend our time. You do not have to stay in a stagnant situation in your own business if it's not serving you anymore. And I'm sure you used to do readings that you no longer do anymore. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I used to do a lot. I used to offer actually shorter readings. I would do half hour appointments, but I found that it was never enough. You know, it was never like uh, we would just sort of get started. So, but they were popular, right? And that was a really hard decision to make because I was taking off an offering that people wanted, but I never felt like I was doing my best work in that time. I always felt like I did my best work in longer readings. So I stopped offering half hour appointments. And at first I was, you know, it's scary to do that. Right. But it was so much better, honestly. So sometimes, you know, you just, you do have to listen to yourself. You don't always have to do the thing that your customers want you to which totally goes against what we've always learned about the customers always right but I don't know if that's, a, that's always true and what's the point also of being your own boss if you can't make these <laughs> decisions you know if you feel like you make a mistake you could always bring that service back as well right yeah it doesn't have, have it, to be permanent right or have it a seasonal or a special yeah. or something you just do around yeah. your birthday or the anniversary of your mm-hmm. your business there's always some cool fun things you can do around that Totally. Yeah. It never has to be forever. And then if you find that you want to go back to something that you have changed, you know, you can, it's, it's fine. And if you go back to it and you still hate it, then then you really know you should do it. You're like, yep, made the right decision the first time. (laughs) I'll try it three times. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you so much. There is a, Oh, thank you. Of information and wisdom from someone who has been doing this for a 
quite a, a long time and very successfully. Liz has got an amazing um, downloadable with just some questions. A lot of the things we've been covering today of areas for you to explore and look uh, to answer for yourself in reflection for your own business and moving forward. And again, go get her book. If you don't have it on your shelf, it is so great. And the next time I see you, I'm going to get you to sign my copy because I didn't have it with me the last time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us thank you Liz thank you so much and we'll see you next time head to www.tarotreadersacademy.com to check out the training and offer with our faculty of tarot experts that's www.tarotreadersacademy.com you can also find out how to work with Ethany by heading to www.ethany.com. Thank you for joining us.